We have the late, great Christopher Hitchens versus yours truly on the question of does religion poison everything? This is Matthew Garnett. Welcome to In Layman's Terms. How can we propose seriously and solemnly to rule out of court in advance a hypothesis that not only answers to the human heart in many respects, but that answers to genuine intellectual needs in other respects. We're going to change it up to our normal format this week, and I did a live stream with uh, interaction on a debate between David Berlinski and Christopher Hitchens on the question of, does religion poison everything? Does atheism poison everything? And... Christopher Hitchens is a was a sharp guy, brilliant individual, understands uh, the the nature of some things, but he doesn't quite get down to the to the rock bottom. And one of the you know, and I, so I kind of try to interact in this debate a little bit, and I did it as a as a live stream the other night, and I'm going to play that for you. Uh, but b- but before we get to that, I kind of want to bring out a point that I failed to make when I was interacting with uh, particularly Hitchens on this is. And this notion, I got there a little bit, but this notion of what, what really is it that causes uh, governments to, to go down the wrong path, people to do horrific things. And Hitchens is, is right to point out that an atheist can be all kinds of terrible things. A religious person can be all kinds of terrible things. And it seems that when the confluence of especially governmental regiments, uh, regimes, uh, powers combine themselves with... Uh, with religion, then some really terrible things happen. And the same is true when atheistic regimes uh, give themselves absolute power and they make really almost their leaders out to be uh, gods in a lot of ways. This is the, this is pretty much across the board. And when, when we see some, some of the most terrible things happen, especially in the 20th century, you know, Hitler really made himself out uh, to, to be the highest authority that there is. There is no higher authority that can be appealed to uh, besides the, the Fuhrer. That was the, the Fuhrer Prince Seth, that the, that the leader was the ultimate authority and that his authority was not, uh, was, uh, not subject to contestation. And when um, leaders put themselves in that position, it doesn't matter if they're religious or atheist, then some really terrible things tend to ensue. And so how, how do we avoid that sort of thing? What's at the rock bottom of this? Well, the argument that I fail to make um, when I'm interacting with with Christopher Hitchens and David, David Berlinski in this debate is the point that what poisons everything is bad theology. That's what poisons everything. Now, that's the argument that really I think uh, is is the knockdown argument, and I and I kind of hover around it as you'll see um, as I interact with this. But but I want to make that clear on the at the outset here that that really is the point. And when you talk about atheism, we can already put that in the category of, of poor theology. And when you start to misunderstand who God is and what he wants, then bad things tend to happen. And that, ha- that happens across the board. We see, we see that happening uh, with, with Christianity in general in, in the United States. That's largely a part of what we do here at, at In Layman's Terms is point out where bad theology yields bad results. Where, where you wish that the text of Holy Scripture said something that it doesn't, um, and you have an agenda that you want to back up with Holy Scripture, and therefore you twist Holy Scripture in order to, um, in order to put forth your agenda. The same thing happens uh, with, with dictators, with governments. They have an agenda, and they want to invoke a, uh, a, a monicum of power or authority onto their agenda, and so they therefore 
use poor theology, poor reasoning when it comes to comes to understanding that uh, understanding what it is that God might have to say about said regime, said uh, program within within that regime. They have a certain program, and they just invoke God um, in order to in order to put forth uh, their agenda. Now, the the point that Hitchens really brings out is when this is done with religion, it is particularly toxic. Um, I'm not sure you can make that argument because I, I think you you look at the regimes that have done that and the deaths that have ensued and the, the horrible situations that have ensued when men have invoked God in order to to bolster their uh, whatever their agenda, whether whether it was the the Naziistic programs or whatever else, and you compare it to those who have you know stated openly that that, that religion is something that is not a part of their regime. Uh, the, the the results seem to be worse. Now, I think both situations are equally bad. I don't know where the line gets drawn or where there is a certain level of, okay, we can go this far and no farther. Um, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure where those lines get drawn, but the bottom line is, is what really poisons everything. It's, it's, it's not religion per se. Um, it's bad theology and atheism by definition is poor theology because what you have in that situation is what you are left with is the reasoning of men, and that's what that's what Christopher Hitchens and Christopher Hitchens and all of the other uh, new atheists, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Lawrence Krauss, you name it. What they want is a situation where men's reason is the highest authority, and the problem with that is is that at some point a man or a group of men is going to take that authority. We've talked about this over and over and over again, and I talk about this in the podcast that it is very very dangerous. And can turn bad very quickly. Things can go very wrong in horrible, horrific directions when men are the ultimate authority. That is really where the poor theology lies. And we've seen the worst examples of that in communist states where they proclaim that men, with their reason, have had the highest authority. And, of course, Christopher Hitchens is going to argue back, well, there's plenty of examples of men uh, invoking God, saying that they have the authority of God to do X, Y, and Z, and I'll agree. That's absolutely right. And that and Bertolinsky does bring out that point. Um, it's just that the, the, without having a, a, an authority to answer to you, and this is really a point that Berlinski tries to bring out, although I think he doesn't emphasize it enough, uh, that that unless we have something that rules over us, that's outside of us, and I, and I do bring out this point uh, as I interact with, with Hitchens here, then we're going to run into a real problem. And not only do we need a voice from uh, from a higher authority to dictate to us men, I mean, that's really what the United States is built on, this very minimalist, and it and really doesn't have to be the whole gamut. I mean, we've seen uh, the United States be successful as a civilization because we have based our civilization on one very simple principle that is from the Bible, that men are created in God's image, and no one can question that that authority is beyond contestation. So that very basic principle that's introduced right at the beginning of Holy Scripture is what we've built Western civilization on, that every man is created in God's image. That's how we you know, that's how we've created a more equitable society than any other uh, culture has in human history. That's how we eradicated slavery. That's how we've eradicated uh, the misogyny that was that was uh, that was concurrent with uh, most of the culture up until the time of the United States. We have taken that principle, which is biblical, seriously. 
And I wonder if more of us as individuals, if we took seriously the precepts of Scripture and studied and understood that putting ultimate authority in the hands of a single person, uh, you know, um, is if we, if we took that more seriously, if we understood that the Bible speaks against this. I mean, if you look at when uh, Israel originally wanted a king, uh, God said, you're asking for the wrong thing. You're asking for a man to be an authority over you when I should be your king. And that ended up being the major downfall uh, of, of Israel. That is what initially, uh, that's really init- what initiated all of the, the problems that led up to the, to the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity, and, and the ultimate demise of the Jewish people, the scattering of the Jewish people, was that idea that we're going to put the authority that should be solely God's in the hands of a man, that's the problem. And so at the root of all this, what poisons everything is not religion per se, not even atheism per se. We can have atheism, but if we, if we take atheism to the, to the logical conclusion of because we don't have God, we've got to put this authority in the hands of a man or a group of men, then it's going to result in the same thing. And so a couple of very salient points here that we've, we've really got to get our minds around. Bad theology, all the way up and down, from the simplest stuff all the way up to, to the big things, like God, um, man was created in God's image. When those precepts of God get corrupted, then bad things happen. God gives his commands for a reason. And when we act in accord with those commands, then what was prophesied of of Moses from God himself, you know, if you follow these commands, you will live long in the land, etc., etc., those things tend to come about, or they do come about. Um, and so that that both that is a, uh, an issue that's that's both true of of whatever government might rule us. I, I think that at the very least, what we've demonstrated is we've got to hold tight to that principle that that God has has made man in His image, and as such, He has. Uh, a right to, as we say in America, right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And there's that, that principle cannot be questioned. When you bring in atheism, then all of a sudden, if man has any innate value, it's only given by the authority of, of another man. And what's, what's to stop another man from coming along and saying, no, no, we're not giving any, uh, any uh, um, special place for men um, we're going to give a, you know, we're, we're just going to erase that notion and go with something else. There's, there's really nothing that can, that can stop men from, from battling over that kind of authority. So at the end of the day, bad theology is what poisons everything. And that's what we do here at Layman's Terms. We try to, to ferret out bad theology and show you uh, where it has bad results. And that's really what has plagued, I believe, most of the, t- most of the 20th century is, is bad theology. And really, that's what plagued the Roman church. That's why the Reformation happened, is, is poor theology. And poor theology always yields poor results on the ground. What you believe um, is going to dictate how you act. And where you get your beliefs um, is going to have not only dictates on how you behave, but on what the results or what the implications of that behavior are. And that's what we see poisoning everything. It's not atheism per se. A person, like uh, Hitchens points out, a person can be an atheist and be you know, a perfectly moral person. Uh, a person can be a religious person and be a perfectly moral, per- moral person. I say perfectly loosely, of course. Uh, but, but the minute um, you 
take that higher authority that grants the 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 image of God to the human being, that's when stuff starts to go bad. Okay, let's get to my interaction with Christopher Hitchens and David Berlinski on this question uh, that we did on a live stream the other night. Here we go. We're going to explore this idea of does religion poison everything? Does atheism poison everything? Or is there something else poisoning everything that's uh, going on in this world? Uh, that's kind of the approach we're going to take here. I'm going to take on the late, great Christopher Hitchens with a little bit of help from David Berlinski, brilliant mathematician that uh, is is not committed to any religious uh form of worship or anything else, but just simply find science inadequate to explain the origins of the universe and that there might be an intelligent designer that we might need to bring that aspect into things. And what I think we're going to see here, and what I want to demonstrate is even using Christopher Hitchens' own words, is that, it, that it's not atheism, it's not religion that poisons everything, that it is in fact um, us human beings that do that that we can bring about all kinds of wonderful solutions and systems that seem on paper to work. If, if we would all just follow the rules of this system, then everything would be great. But what we find is that inevitably, even those great systems like Marxism on paper looks good. Uh, we human beings tend to corrupt that. We somehow figure a way to screw it up. And at the end of the day, the notion... Uh, that the Christian religion has brought forth of original sin really is the thing that poisons everything. Okay, so before we get to all that, let me tell you guys about um, our website, uh, laymanstermsradio.org. This is where we have all our broadcasts, and if you go there, what you'll see is a splash page that allows you to donate per podcast. And if you go listen to our podcast kind of after the fact, uh, via our our, uh, our audio versions of this. We'll ask you to donate 5 10 or $15 to our Kenya Well Project. We're trying to help a school in Kenya uh, dig a fresh water well there, and we're asking you to donate to that. You don't have to. It's kind of like those things at the store where it says, you know, do you want to donate you know, $1, $2, or $5, or no donation? You can do that on our website as well. Uh, but we would also ask you to check out uh, our links on the Messed Up Church Dot com website. We will always have um, our, prod, our podcast posted there as long, along with a number of other uh, resources uh, to uh, discussing the Christian religion there. Um, so, so a couple places to get it. And then, you know, on our website, again, you can scroll down and get, uh, get our links as well. But we hope that you would donate to this well project, well project because um, probably many of you have children um, and can you imagine them going to school and as a part of their curriculum kind of being uh, forced to, to carry five-gallon buckets of water as a part of their, their curriculum? That's, that's not cool. Um, we think that's, that's uh, an, an atrocious injustice, and we want to do something about that. So we're, so we're raising money for this well project, and we hope you'll donate to it by, by giving you know, a simple $5, 10 or $15 donation. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're listening to this live stream right now, you can go to our website, laymanstermsradio.org. And you can donate uh, to the, to this very wealth uh, worthwhile project. 
Um, you can also give a one-time $50 donation via our GoFundMe. So I would encourage you to do that. That's the reason we do this. I, I have a job that pays my bills, and I, and I do the podcast uh, uh, virtually as, uh, as a charity. Um, and, and I'm happy to do it because uh, these children are seeking education. They're sometimes walking two and three miles a day by foot to get uh, to these to these education sites, to these schools. And the least we can do is have to is 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 do a, is provide a situation where they don't have to carry five gallon buckets of water from nearby sometimes contaminated streams uh, for their water for school that day. So uh, please donate to our well project. And uh, if just a few of us do this, it would be it would be so simple uh, for the for the many many that listen to the podcast that, that are listening to this live stream right now, if we just gave a little bit, we could very, very easily get this done. I mean, if a hundred people gave $5, that's $500 right there. You know, if, 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 uh, if a hundred people gave $10, that's a thousand dollars towards, towards this well project and we could very, very easily get it done. And so I, I hope you would go there as well. Also, I want to, um, also give a shout out to those listening in Nebraska on KNNA, the cross welcome those, uh, listeners, listening on KNNA. And also, as, as I mentioned before, um, we're on the messedupchurch.com website. If you want to go deeper into the Christian religion, kind of find out what us crazy uh, Christians are talking about. You know, we're broadcasting here today, you know, live on the um, Atheist versus Christian Debate website. If you want to find out what's going on about that, um, check out the Messed Up Church. You know, we, we, there we're very critical of the Christian religion. Um, we, we, we do have our, our critics there. But we do find that ultimately we find the best explanations for how things are uh, from the religion of Christianity. So that's the approach I'm going to take with Christopher Hitchens today. Although I'm going to say Hitchens brings out some really great points about uh, the notion that, you know, what poisons things ultimately is men. That's what poisons things, whether they're atheists or Christians or whatever. Um, that's ultimately what poisons things. And um what what we want to look out for is this notion that there's going to be some sort of even religion or system that's going to come along that as perfect as those systems or religions might appear to be like if we just followed this this would be great what we have to realize is that as as perfect as those systems appear especially if they're man made they've got inbred flaws and then when men enter into those systems and try to make uh, utility of those systems, what happens is that those systems become so utterly corrupt that they become enormously unjust. They're systems that are things that we would call horrors, things that we would not uh, want to embrace ultimately. So I don't think this is an atheist problem. I don't think it's a Christian problem. I think it is a man problem and that man um, is is born into this world corrupt and that man seeks as Nietzsche put it the seeks the will to power we want power and we will do whatever it takes to have power and that is ultimately what poisons everything not religion not even atheism per se uh, but but it is man and and his corrupt nature that poisons these things and so what, what I want to put forth is there is a corrective to that. There's only one corrective to man's corrupt nature, um, and that is, the, that is the Christian religion. And, 
And so the thesis I'm going to put forth to Hitchens and the way I would argue against him is that, yes, um, atheism, religion, and whatever forms it takes, when it's false and man-centered atheism, religion, when it's focused on man, it's always going to poison the well. It's always going to poison the well. What we're seeking is true religion, as St. James puts it. And so we're going to talk about that as we go through this podcast today. And I hope this makes sense to you. I hope, you know, because Christopher Hitchens is an apt debater. He sees the flaws in religion. And you'll notice when I put when I put up the clips of his argumentation here, you're going to see that he keeps going back to the same thing, that it's it's not the religion, it's the men. It's not the religion, it's the men. And that's one thing I think Berlinski misses in all of this. He hits on it a bit. I wish he would have put that forth more more strongly because really what you what you have to do is you have to evaluate a worldview on its merits and not according to how men have lived out that worldview. Because if you evaluate a worldview uh, based on how men have lived that out, pretty much every single worldview will fail, will fail the test. Because you can always point to somebody, as Hitchens will be want to say in this debate, you can always point to somebody who has failed miserably in carrying out uh, the ideals of that worldview. Okay? That's the problem. And so, what's the solution? And that's what we hope to put forth to you today. Okay, here we go. Let's get started with this debate. Here's David Berlinski to start us off. But the inevitable consequences of this degree of atheism within the scientific community has involved a deformation of scientific thought, quite striking in its character and its extent. After all, the sciences, if we restrict our attention to the serious sciences, and those may be found in mathematics or in mathematical physics in no other place, then we must recognize that the serious sciences have nothing to say about the existence of God, either in their premises or in their conclusion. What a remarkable fact. People are writing books how physics shows that God does not exist, but physics has nothing to say about the existence of God. Okay, so this is an important point that Berlinski is making here, that the empirical sciences really can't speak to this. The best they can say is, we don't know. I mean, that's – and really, a serious scientist, a a serious physicist, when confronted with the idea of does God exist, if if they are confining themselves to the discipline of physics, would say, I don't even care. That's not even a – that's not a thing to me. That's not a question. Does God exist? Um, what we're talking about it is this over here, and the question of God's existence is maybe an historical question, maybe a philosophical question, that we and the scientists are too limited to give an answer to. That's the honest point, and that's what Berlinski is pointing out here. Now, understand that what he's saying is that you know science and theology – Philosophy and they're not they're not disparate disciplines. They're not completely separate. They overlap. They do overlap, to be sure. But what a physicist, what an honest physicist would physicist would say is that I do not have the technical resources 
to speak to that question. What I need is for philosophy to come in and overlap my discipline to say, to, to help me with this question. See, that's what Berlinski is saying. And that's what we need to catch on to because science, pure science, is not interested in these questions. All they're interested in is studying the phenomenon of what appears to them, what rev- what reveals itself empirically to them. And the que- and what Berlinski is pointing out is, the question of God exi- God's existence is isn't a relevant question to that study. Other than when they bump up against the phenomenon and, and they ask the question, okay, what cause what ultimately causes this phenomenon? That's that's when the philosophy and the theology start to overlap. That's when the physicists go, okay, um, philo- uh, philosophers, theolo- theologians, we have this phenomenon that we can't explain. We need you guys to come in and overlap our discipline so we can link this chain up. And, the, and what Berlinski is brilliantly pointing out here is that when scientists don't ask those other disciplines to come in and overlap that chain, they're making a major mistake. They're making a major mistake because they're stepping outside of their realm of expertise and they're stepping into theology or philosophy areas in which they are wholly unequipped to answer these questions. And what they would be wise to do is to call on theologians, call on uh, philosophers to say, come into our discipline, help us explain these phenomenon. And I think Berlinski does a really good job of bringing out this point. Although um, Berlinski in his subtle and erudite style doesn't bring out that point as clearly as I'd like him to. (laughs) At any rate, he does bring out the point and, and it's an important one. Let's move on. How can we propose seriously and solemnly to rule out of court in advance a hypothesis that not only answers to the human heart in many respects, but that answers to genuine intellectual needs in other respects? When one sees the American scientific community like a herd of wildebeests trotting across a fruited plain, it's very reasonable to ask, are they going someplace or are they fleeing from someplace? And I think the overwhelmingly obvious answer is they are fleeing. They are fleeing from an idea that they reject for a variety of reasons. Not only is the inquiry about atheism not necessary in terms of the history of social thought, it's not necessary in terms of the outlines of scientific thought. Okay, so... What, what Berlinski is pointing out here is that there is, uh, when it comes to the approach to scientific thought, the a priori assumption is that there is no God, that everything has occurred from naturalistic, materialistic means. See, that's what a lot of people don't get. They think that... Um, th- the notion of atheism has come from, okay, we're just going to study what is and then let the facts lead us to this conclusion. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen at all. Nobody does this. And if they say they do, they're lying. <laughs> um, what really happens is you start with an a priority. Does God exist? Does, not, does God not exist? And then you proceed from there. That's really how this happens. 
And Berlinski is wise to point out that um, what most of science is fleeing from, what they're running away from, is the notion that there is a God. There is an intelligence who created this, you know, our reality. That's what they're fleeing from because they've started with the a priori notion that there is no God. There is no intelligent designer that could have set this whole thing in motion. See? And so when you, and, and you do have to start with the a, that a priori knowledge with that, well, knowledge. You have to start with the a, that a priori presupposition. That's where you start. And then you proceed from there. And if you start with the a priori assumption that there is no God, there is no intelligent designer, and all there is is uh, naturalistic materialism, then you're left with what Hitchens and others are going to put forth as a worldview for the origins of mankind. But make no mistake, um, Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris, uh, Krauss, et al., they are not they are not saying we're starting with a blank slate. We have no presuppositions and we are going to examine the evidence objectively and come up with a conclusion. Does it happen, friends? Anytime someone tells you that they're starting with no presuppositions, major red flags should go up. Major red flags should go up. Because everyone starts with presuppositions. And these men, including Hitchens, start with the presupposition that there is no God, there is no designer, and that they, and from there, they construct their worldview. That's how this works. So anytime someone tells you, oh, I'm, I'm completely objective, and I'm starting from no presuppositions, they're lying. They're lying. And actually, <laughs> we're going to get to hear Hitchens make kind of that sort of claim as we move on here. It's, it's pretty interesting, but uh, but uh, let's see what goes on here. Let's get some Hitchens in here. Christendom, as we used to understand it, as our fathers and grandfathers used to understand it, ends in 1914 when every country in Europe goes to war in the name of its own God or church. King George VI is the king emperor and the head of the Church of England. Uh, the Tsar of Russia is the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, is considered not to be a god, but a little more than a human being. You know the rest of it. It's the first time that Gott mit uns is put on the belt buckles, but not the last time of the German army. And this is the end of Christendom and the curtain raiser to fascism. Without that terrible war of Christendom, it's impossible that the totalitarian movements that became such a threat to civilization could have arisen in the first place. And just to stay with France, it is the Vichy collaborationist regime, the rounder-up of France's Jews, <clears throat> the massacre, the massacre agent in the French colonies, the collaborator with the Third Reich, that strikes from the French coinage the noble words liberty, liberté, égalité, fraternité, and replaces them with the Catholic slogan, famille, patrie, travail. And under this, France fell to the lowest point of its history. So I would beware, sir, of... Uh, deriving your argument about atheism from the coincidences of French ecclesiastical design. But... Okay, so here Hitchens is setting up something that's obviously true. But notice one thing. What is he talking about? He's talking about the actions of men. 
And that's and that's also Berlinski's weakness. He's talking about you know he started out this debate. If you go listen to this whole debate, he started it uh, started out this debate talking about and this is this is the two ships passing in the night when it comes to atheism and theism or religion is that oh you atheists you know if you follow the atheist worldview then these horrible things will happen and the atheists will say no 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 if you follow the christian or the the religious point of view the religious worldview then these terrible things will happen and what they're missing what they're missing here friends is that when men abuse either system no matter which system is right or wrong. And I think there is a right system. There is a right worldview. There is a way to get us out of all this. And it is the Christian religion. I'll be so bold as to say that. And I'll explain that more later. Um, but because that's the one that gets us out of this man-centered uh, worldview. That's the only one. That gets us out of this man-centered worldview, but but the the complaint is from both both sides that men did this in the name of atheism. The complaint from the other side is men did this in the name of Christianity. Who's right? They're both right. Men did these things in the name of atheism. Men did these things in the name of Christianity. Were there religious aspects involved to to all of this? Of course. The thing of it is, when you espouse or put forth ideology in the name of atheism where there is no God, then you replace God with some sort of man-made something or other. Generally speaking, a tyrannical dictator. That's generally what happens. And when you abuse religion in the name of of man-made philosophy, theology, faults, teaching then what you get is a man-made dictator who does horrible and awful things and at the end of the day what's the problem the religions the worldviews yes there are some problems with the religions and the worldviews but beneath that at the foundational level is man's corruption the problem that men poison everything and no matter what system you come up with men are going to poison it and the more corrupt the system itself is the more corrupt the worldview is the more men are going to be able to manipulate that to do damage to do harm to other people and so what we need to find is a worldview that is ideal um, and that man can strive after that that is outside of himself that God himself has dictated to us, see? And so um, we're going to talk about this more as we go on here um, and and try to challenge Hitchens on, on, on his notion of, you know, if we were all just atheists and we all just followed our humanistic inclinations in life, then everything would be fine. But the problem is, is that you still got the human factor. You still got the notion that men are corrupt. And that's what atheism ignores. That's what any system ignores where they think that men can come up with the answer. That men can come up with the dictates to bring about salvation to this planet. See? 
And so um, that's that's what I want to explore here with Hitches, and that's what I would hit him with is that religion does it poison everything? Yeah, in a lot of ways it does. Does atheism poison everything? Yeah, it does. And is there a worldview? Is there an ideology that we can get behind that is not born from man, but from God? That doesn't come from man, but from God. And that we can all say, we can agree to this. We can say, this is something that that transcends all of us. Because at the end of the day, the atheist, if there, you know, there's nothing trans, uh, transcendental. There's, there's no morals that transcend even the atheist. At the end of the day, in the atheist world, somebody has got to dictate the morals. And that's the problem. And how can a man dictating morals to everyone else transcend all of humanity. I don't think it can. Anyway, let's move on. Christendom, as we used to understand it, as our fathers and grandfathers used to understand it, ends in... Uh, let's uh, skip that one. In, uh, well, no, let's, let's, let's hit that one one more time. Let's see what it is. Christendom, as we used to understand it, as our fathers and grandfathers used to understand it, ends in 1914 when every country in Europe goes to war in the name of its own God or church. King George VI is the King Emperor and the head of the Church of England. Uh, the Tsar of Russia is the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, is considered not to be a god, but a little more than a human being. You know the rest of it. It's the first time that Gott mit uns is put on the belt buckles, but not the last time of the German army. And this is the end of Christendom and the curtain raiser to fascism. Without that terrible war of Christendom, it's impossible that the totalitarian movements that became such a threat to civilization could have arisen in the first place. And just to stay with France, it is the Vichy collaborationist regime, the rounder up of France's Jews, <clears throat> the massacre, the massacre agent in the French colonies, the collaborator with the Third Reich, that strikes from the French coinage the noble words liberty. Liberté, égalité, fraternité, and replaces them with the Catholic slogan, famille, patrie, travail. And under this, France fell to the lowest point of its history. So I would beware, sir, of uh, deriving your argument about atheism from the coincidences of French ecclesiastical design. But... Okay, so I want to bring that clip back up for for a couple of reasons. Um, That... To really home in on this point that who is corrupting things here? Is it the systems or is it the men? Um, and to and say that uh, atheism really brought France out of their... Uh, their intellectual and ethical stupor. I'm not sure that's true. It seems that what has been missing in Western civilization since the Enlightenment has been the combination of faith and reason. That's what's missing. Because before the Enlightenment, all we had was faith. 
with no reason. You were asked to believe it was it was complete fideism. You were asked to pledge loyalty to the church and nothing else. You were asked to pledge loyalty to what the dictates of the Pope were and nothing else. There was no reason behind it. And so when Martin Luther and the boys came in and the Protestant Reformation happened, um, the notion of reason was introduced as a check on faith. And but the problem was is that uh, many after the Reformation decided that um, why do we even need faith anymore? Let's just do away with the, do do away with faith and work on pure reason. And this is where I give Kant credit because he tried to critique pure reason, but he failed miserably. Um, what we have to figure out is a way that faith and reason interact in a way that makes sense. Where we critique faith with our reason and say, hey, this thing that a religion did in the name of their God was bad. Um, and the, th- the thing of it is, according to, 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 to Christian tradition... Uh, the, the things that have been done in the name of faith, really since the time of of Christ and the, the Edict of Milan, where you know, there have been religious atrocities committed that are sins. The church has committed sin. And so <laughs> what we have to look at, you know, this is where we laymen have to rise up and say, hey, what you religious people are doing is wrong, is immoral, according to your own standards. We have to call people out on this. We have to say that this is not right. And so so here's the here's what's going on here. You've got these pendulums. You've got reason or religion. No in between. And what I'm proposing is that there is a marriage between reason and religion that makes sense because that's going to get us out of this totalitarian nonsense because if you have reason only if you have reason only then who is going to be the ultimate arbiter of what is reasonable is it going to be Christopher Hitchens yeah probably not because he's dead is it going to be Sam Harris Richard Dawkins Who's going to be the ultimate arbiter of what is reasonable? Then on the other hand, who is going to be the ultimate arbiter of what is religious? And the advantage we have as religious people, and I'm a religious person, the the advantage I have as a religious person over someone who is not religious is that I have an arbiter that is above me. I have a word which we call the Bible, that is given to us that dictates um, what is right and what is wrong. And we appeal to that. And even though it's difficult to figure out, may not become ultimately clear to us at the beginning. It is clear. It is obvious. And when we discover it, it makes complete sense. 
but we need somebody who is outside of us human beings to dictate terms. That's what we need. Otherwise, we're going to end up in an authoritarianism. Either way, you end up in authoritarianism. And that's the point I really wanted to bring out by by uh, replaying this, this clip from Hitchens. And uh, yeah, from there, let's move on. Uh, atheism by itself is, of course, not a moral position or a political one of any kind. It simply is the refusal to believe in a supernatural dimension or a supernatural supervisor or dictator. And it's the, it's the maintenance of the view that, there, though that cannot be disproved, no good evidence has ever been adduced for it or any good argument put forward for it. But that's where it ends. You can be an atheist and a nihilist. You can be an atheist and a sadist. <clears throat> you can be an atheist and say, as is said in Dostoevsky's famous passage of Brothers Karamazov, without God, anything is possible, anything is doable, is thinkable. Of course, that's open, I would say, immediately to the objection that anyone who says they have God on their side also awards themselves, and you can see it happening by opening the newspaper, the right to commit any crime, however ghastly. Okay, so, good points all there by Hitchens. To say that, um, what, you know, atheism opens up all kinds of possibilities, positive and negative. And to say that, um, while we are trying to, to discover the best way to approach things, um, if atheism opens up all kinds of possibilities, positive and negative, doesn't that open up the possibility of religion offering the same thing, even though if religion were to follow its precepts, especially the Christian religion? And this is the thing I want to defend, is that while... Religions around the world today are morally indefensible, and while perversions of Christianity are indefensible in times past, is there not a way to move forward with Christianity in a way that it's not possible to move forward with atheism? That would be my question to Hitchens. To say that, can we move forward in a way where we're not going to have a human authoritarian dictator on our horizon? Whether it be a one that claims the name of God, one that claims the name of a warrior Christ, as the Nazis did. Are you so certain that your atheist ruler whoever he or she may be, will lead us in a direction that will not ultimately result in us succumbing to authoritarian rule. I don't think that can be demonstrated. And in fact, I think quite the opposite historically can be demonstrated by Lenin, Stalin, Mao and Pol Pot. 
all authorian dictators who were staunchly atheist who set themselves up to be God and that's really the point in all of this is that when men set themselves up to be God when there is no outside ruler when there is no outside authority and Hitchens continues to decry this notion that we need some uh you know supervisory figure we need a supervisory figure if history has proven anything is that we need a supervisory figure to say no ladies and gentlemen this is not the path from which you should be proceeding this is the wrong way to go we need somebody outside of ourselves dictating to us where we should be going the question is where do we find that voice all Hitchens, all Hitchens can really say is that there's bad actors all around. Of course there's bad actors all around. Christian, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. Atheist, deist, theist. There's bad actors all around. Of course there are. And if you're going to pin the failures of religion on bad actors... Doesn't that seem misguided? Um, Again, we can come up with all kinds of systems, but men will ultimately corrupt those systems. And we can come up with uh, a naturalist, materialist, materialistic, atheistic system, and men will corrupt those systems. What we have to try to talk about is how can we address the corruption of men? That's what we have to come to. That's what you have to talk about. How can we address men's corrupt nature? We have to we have to try to tackle that. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Okay, let's try to close this out. Just to take the most notorious of the 20th century totalitarianisms, the most finished example, the most perfected one, the most ruthless and refined one, that of national socialism. The one that fortunately allowed the escape of all these great atheist thinkers and many others to the United States, country of separation of church and state that gave them welcome. If it's an atheistic regime, then how come that in the first chapter of Mein Kampf, Hitler says he's doing God's work and executing God's will in destroying the Jewish people? How come the Fuhrer oath that every officer of the party and the army had to take, making Hitler into a minor god, begins, I swear in the name of Almighty God, my loyalty to the Fuhrer? How come that on the belt buckle of every Nazi soldier it says, Gott mit uns, God on our side. How come that the first treaty made by the National Socialist Dictatorship, the very first, is with the Vatican, exchanging political control of Germany for Catholic control of German education? How come that the Church has celebrated the birthday of the Fuhrer every day, every year, I mean, on that day, until democracy put an end to this filthy quasi-religious, superstitious, barbarous, reactionary system. Again, this is not a difference of emphasis between us to suggest that there's something fascistic about me and my beliefs is something I won't hear said and you shouldn't believe. Okay, so Christopher, when if we put you in charge? Let's put you in charge and you will dictate to us what our beliefs should be. 
Isn't there something fascistic about that? Who gets to decide? Is it by mob rule? Is it by vote? Is it by democracy? Now, granted, I think the best way we've found to sort all this thing out is the American experiment, where we do all have the right to vote. We all have the right to say um, and to suggest that we might implement some sort of theocracy into all this. Maybe that's that's really the debate that's being had here is what kind of government should um, rule people? Is it a theocracy? Is it a situation where we all live by some sort of religious rule? Or is it a society where the government, the, the, the entity that holds the gun says, you know what, the only thing we're going to hold the gun against is that you all don't kill each other, violate each, violate each other's rights. That's the only gun we're going to hold. But you all ultimately have to decide what kind of social fabric, what kind of worldview you're going to live by. That's the question. And when men left to their own devices are going to decide what worldview they're going to live under, that's an interesting question. Because we, that, I mean, Hitchens is right. We can't dictate these things. We cannot live under a theocracy. That's authoritarianism. Uh, but my question to him would be would you rather live under a theocracy? Or would you, would you rather have someone who is going to institute a, a Christian theocracy as president of the United States, have absolute rule, or would you rather have someone like yourself? And which would be better? And I would guarantee he would say, oh, the one that I would run would be better. And that's where our fault our faults lie. We think that men can rule us when what we need is for God to rule us. We need to figure out what he says. Does God have, if there is a God, my atheist friends, if there is a God, does he have something to say to us? That's, that's, I think the thing you guys struggle with the most, my atheist friends is if I admit there's a God, I'll bet he has something to say to me. And that's that's a scary thing. It is. It's a scary thing to think about because I get it. I was there. Came to a place where I'm like, there's a God. There's a God. There cannot not be a God. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no logical explanation to say that there is not God. There is not an intelligent designer of this universe. I came to that conclusion and then I have to grapple with the notion of if there is a God, does he have something to say to me? Is there some dictate that he might have for me? It's a difficult proposition. Anyway, there we go. Fun stuff. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this live In Layman's Terms podcast for the first time. 
and we'll see you next week. We'll have a little bit more for uh, you know, just in the in the uh, the audio, but we'll get it out there. Everyone, anyway, everybody, take care. We'll see you next week.